silence. The pause. The show where I go, are we live? <laughs> yeah, and you're doing it again. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Lunch Academy, episode 14. Don't mind the Facebook uh, message. We wrote 13. It's episode 14, the We're Alex tired. Burroughs episode. Yes, we are tired. We'll get to that in a quick, quick sec. But I am Sam, your co-host, and here, as always, have the star of the show, Shade. Hello, world. <laughs> and we're joined today by Alex Benjamin. How could I mispronounce Benjamin? I'm sorry. You didn't mispronounce Benjamin. <laughs> you did a great job, Sam. You said Benjamin, which is a cool name. I'm already slurring We're going to go with that. You're going to be Mr. Betterman. For the I like it. I like it. Betterman. Thanks for having so me on the show. So you're the founder and president of Lenful, so we'll get about get to that in, in a quick second great. here. Um, but you had a quick intro for, for Alex and his background Very here. Very quick intro. Alex is one of our longstanding alumni, uh, came here to build his company Lenful, which this year got acquired yep. by People's Trust. So we'll, right. we'll get to talk about that. Um, so it's great to have an alumni that has seen us go through everything from, what were you here, like four years ago? Yeah, I was here in uh, March 2015. Yeah. So it just cool. came to four years ago. That's a long almost, time. Almost four years. So yeah. um, Alex is also becoming one of our mentors in the new year. Um, so he's got a lot of really great entrepreneurship experience and we're excited to hear about it, especially in the fintech industry. Um, I personally don't know a lot about fintech in Vancouver. So excited to tap but into you're that. you're a mentor too. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Um, yeah, that's my brief intro. Obviously, we want you to kind of give us a little Definitely. bit of a, a background, yep. like of how you got into founding Lenful and your entrepreneurship background, uh, as well as a little bit of your startup visa experience. Sure. Love to share that. Yeah. yeah. When does the music cue? <laughs> the music already, already cued. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. We didn't, give, we didn't give him a headset. So he's <laughs> like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> but before all that fun stuff, I know Shade, when we approached you about being a guest on the show, we decided to do something really, really stupid. Well, I'm calling it really, really stupid. Um, but you were game and we really appreciate that. And so, so for those that you haven't been paying attention to our Launch Academy Instagram, we've been doing something called Damn Early Days. And it is exactly what it sounds like yeah. for this whole week, Shade and I and Alex were to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning to see if it could increase our productivity. Yeah. So, lady and gentlemen, how did it go? Well, the whole goal was to fit a bunch of personal goals before your workday. And mm -hmm. if you're an entrepreneur, your personal goals are your workday. So, you might have a different approach. But for me, it was I just wanted to increase how much I was learning and how much I was doing that was outside of work on a daily basis and um, this is why I suggested this challenge because I had a couple of friends who had done it and said that it really increased hey actually my mom's calling shout out to my mom hello our, <laughs> our number one fan <laughs> this is what yep. the joke you, is you actually I'm tempted to, to pick up that call <laughs> <laughs> no I can't do this right now <laughs> um, but yeah so I was really excited to try it out and I'm so glad you guys were game and the point was to then regroup in a week and go over sort of the things that we achieved. Yep. So I'll give you a little list of what I did. I got through a few chapters of my Illustrator Adobe course. Shout out to Skillshare. Um, did a bit of Portuguese. Went on a 7 a.m. run. Did a morning workout. 
and then a whole lot of contemplation of me just sitting in the dark <laughs> really nice. early in the it's morning. It's very early. It's too early to be waking <laughs> up be, at that time. Being awake, but not not yeah. awake. There's nothing really happening at 4 a.m. in yeah. Vancouver. <laughs> it's so dark in the morning lately. I thought I, I thought that was the point, though, right? Like, yeah. There's that, no distractions. That, uh, you there's just, no distractions. You just focus. So yeah. what, what was your experience like? What was your experience like? like? Look, I had one day of 4 a.m. I'm not going to deny it. My <laughs> other days have been 5 a.m. and 6 a.m., I generally speaking wake up at about five five fifteen every day. So four a.m. I think I think it was uh, actually ten to four that I got up one morning, um, but it does it just it allows you just so much uh, more space in your day. You, you you can actually you know get into exercise, read more, write. Uh, if you journal, do some journaling. Uh, Meditation is also very nice at that mm-hmm. time of the day. So come six seven a.m. You know you've already really uh, crammed you know a good three hours in. So. Um, I know that less sleep actually helps me perform for um, really shorter periods of time, and I've had this. How many it, look, hours? It's, it's of very sleep interesting would that when be? you. Uh, can you repeat that? How sorry? many hours of sleep would that be? Like less sleep? Uh, around five, wow. five hours sleep. Um, what it actually does over a short period of time does give me much more energy, and I find that my performance goes up a lot. But what tends to happen by day four or five, I do. I I, uh, I plummet, <laughs> I drop. Okay. I'll have a day of uh, yeah. I, I was I need to. listening to this other podcast about sleep, and they had this neuroscientist on the show talking about the effect of sleep yep. and what how it affects your health and the amount of sleep that you should be having and all the tests and studies that they've done, and they're like really intense about how if you sleep less than seven hours a night, it's actually pretty bad for your health yeah but Does that being said it like people react differently so there's some people that like if they sleep seven hours they feel groggy yeah and if you sleep five hours you feel better it really d- there's so many contributing factors yeah. exactly and, exactly and Sam, love yeah. to hear your experience too but i think <laughs> i think one of the things that um it's combined with coffee how much work you've got going yep. on yeah. all of the other stimulants exercise uh it you have to tee it up and it has to be sort of a combination of things to be really impactful mm-hmm. um because your energy just focuses. It does help your brain focus, but after a while you can become quite wired. So I think if you use less sleep at times, um, it's a little bit like fasting. Um, yeah. I think with energy and how you control yep. energy and inputs, it can actually improve your happiness. And I know that there is evidence um, that I read a study a few years ago with the people with depression to actually not oversleep. But yeah, uh, totally. don't quote me on that entirely. I can't remember where I read it, but it is worth, uh, it's worth investigating. For sure. And I, I do actually know somebody that, that only needs four hours sleep at night. And like, I mean, some people say it, like I can tell you, especially in college, we was like, oh yeah, I only need to sleep four hours a night, but it's, it's like not yeah. true because you're sleeping through every class. <laughs> um, but, but he actually does and it, it worked for him and he's up and he's, you know, two to 6am and like, like to me, like that's a genius move because he just gained four hours that yeah. other people don't have. Right. But it's, it's rare. Like I know it's one person that, that can do that. Right. It's definitely, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a balance. You have to find yeah. a balance. And, yeah. Um, what I've often offset early mornings with is an afternoon nap. So for a long time, especially when I, be, when I was building Lenful in the early days, I would need a two or two fifteen PM nap for 15 minutes and I would take one. Um, take and I'd be very open. No, I'd be very open about it with, yeah. um, with, with my board and people I was working with just to say, look, I need, I need that time just to yeah. recharge and it would allow me to work really work really efficiently into the evening. And I think, um, you've got to find what That's really great. gels well for you. And if it is a nap, it's really worth doing it. You think Ray's going to be down for that? Honestly, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ray, but I've taken multiple naps <laughs> in this room. You guys can't see, but there's a couch on the other side of this and it's massive. 
<laughs> sometimes I book out this meeting room for an hour and I come in here and I'll do half an hour of work. You're but discouraging then the other half bad an behavior. Hour, I just sleep. Encouraging bad I behavior. I think the key with it is if it works for you and you actually know what your output is like and you're actually aware of it, then mm. use it and don't let anybody take it away from you. Yeah, I, for sure. I don't do it often, but sometimes I feel like if I reach a point where I'm just staring at my computer blank, like yep. not even paying attention to what I'm doing because I'm so tired, then I'll decide to take a nap because right. it's not worth just like wasting a bunch of half-assed yep. work. <laughs> rather sleep it out <laughs> yep so so the only reason i agreed to this and the backstory of this is is i knew i would be coming back from uh, a trip from brazil and brazil right now is six hours ahead so i was thinking 4 a.m that's you know it's still 10 a.m brazilian time yep. like you'll be fine i'll be fine right that was the worst decision <laughs> i've made in a while i wouldn't say ever but but in a while and the reason for that is one the the jet lag advantage as i would put it was it was nothing. I was existed. back normal in like half a day. Like I went to bed at yeah, nine. You the didn't day even I came do in. The first day. Yeah, I got I got up at five thirty, but like it wasn't but like I could have slept. I, I could have went. No, no, I went. <laughs> chill. <laughs> I went to basketball. Um, but I really bad at this. But <laughs> yeah, after that first day, the second day was like that was it. I was back to normal, waking up at eight and nine, and and I'm an, I'm very much like a night person. I'm not a morning morning person. So, so it was like I was living in another time zone, but the requirements of my life require me to be in this time zone. Right. And so add on to the factors that I didn't realize, which is I've been away for a week. I mean, I was away on work, but I'm not working. Right. So I'm a week behind on work. Plus like I haven't seen my family. I haven't seen my wife. I haven't seen my dog. Like I'm not just going home and going to bed. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like there's things that need to occur. Mm -hmm. and, and I've had the most stressful week and I never, I never say this at work, but it's been extremely stressful because I'm trying to catch up on work. There's this thing hovering over my head that I need to get up at four and <laughs> Sam's going to be sleeping all weekend. Well, you're off the hook now. It's yeah. over. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> and I see Heavy this duty. Uh, trip to Brazil was not all for nothing. Cause you came back with. Yeah. Some good things to try out. So, I mean, like I, I do see some value in, in this kind of early days. Cause like, just because I didn't make four, like instead of my usual, let's say 8am now I'm doing like the six, seven and that extra time like does help. Mm -hmm. Um, assuming I don't fall back asleep, but it's also pushed me to sleep just a little bit earlier, right? Yeah. Like I'm still approaching the 11, 12, but before yeah. it was like 1am, 2am and that's not necessarily great either. Um, so I have mixed results about this i did i definitely didn't make the 4 a.m i had i had <laughs> two fives and, and like a 6 30 okay um but you have to yeah. keep trying so new year for you can 20 we all agree that i won i know it wasn't <laughs> <You> a competition <laughs> but i 100 yep. sure sure well so done. this well this is <laughs> your prize <laughs> so so from my trip in brazil i got to meet a lot of cool people so shout out to the people at the chamber of commerce brazil canada if anybody's looking to do business from canada to brazil or actually to latin america really um, they're the, they're the folks that you should reach out to. They're just, they're just great. And they, they, they're willing to ask for help when it's a industry they don't know something about. Um, they have a lot of connections down there, but, um, through those guys, I met a guy named, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name is Jamie. Um, so we're going to roll his picture up in, in just a second. Sweet. Uh, but Jamie works for a group called Apex Brazil. So that's a government group in Brazil. And what they do is they help startups like like all the guys here and like potentially yourself um, find funding within Brazil and outside Brazil as well. 
so so I was telling Jamie about our podcast and how we always feed our guests interesting food. And I was like, okay, what can I bring back from Brazil? I can't come back empty handed, right? And, but at the same time, like most food, I'm not going to get through a 19 hour yeah. flight with, right? Like I can't mm-hmm. just bring back some Brazilian steak or something <laughs> like that. Um, so, so, we, so Jamie gonna, was really, t- really awesome. Yeah. We're going to sample this, but he actually <laughs> snuck out of, of whatever meeting we had popped by a grocery store and he promised actually did zero research on what the heck this is. Um, but he said, these two things are what every Brazilian Trivia? child would eat. Okay. Well, let's so, like so it. this one's gluten free. I'm pretty sure this is. This, is, this, this one's, so I can't even pronounce that. It looks like it's um, Paco Kita. It's something to do with <laughs> right? peanuts. Yeah. Let's try it um, out. So, thank cool. you, Jamie, again. Yeah. Yes. Um, big shout outs to you. Noises. Wow. Uh, yeah, there were some rapper noises. So, so this is a. This is a bit like I think butter. this is like yeah. some sort of like peanut. It looks like hard peanut butter. Pastry mm. candy thing. Oh, wow. Wait, that's so good. Oh, that's a very rich peanut. Mm. That's why I need to double check. I'm like, if you got a peanut allergy. This is like um, a (laughs) peanut butter cup. Mm. Trader Joe's still something. He he did say something about it being similar to like Reese's cup. Yeah, exactly. But without the chocolate. Without without the chocolate, yeah. Mm. So we can can kind of snack on that a little bit. Amazing. See if they can get through to the So recommended? I like it. Uh, Assuming you don't have a peanut allergy. This is. Delicious. Pretty much 100% peanut. <laughs> <laughs> so Paco Kita, if you guys are into peanut delicacies. So this is the other one that we'll kind of give a shot now. <clears throat> I'm kind of glad we got the water. It is a little on the sweet side. I haven't tried either of these, by the way. So this okay. one's called Pingo Delite. Nice one. My pronunciation is not great. So Wait, let me see if I can It's like fudge. It. It's a fudge. It's a fudge. It's Pingo Delite. Delite? Delite? So oh. if you, if you're if you speak Portuguese and you know how to properly say this, leave a comment down for us. How is it? I don't know if I like this one. Oh, it crumbles. Yeah, mm. I was expecting it to be like chewy. Mm-hmm. It's a fudge. It's nice. Throw one to our producer. <laughs> Amazing. I think I think the peanut one is it's intense it's though. It's better, but it's I like intense. It this one, so so. Yeah. Yeah. Shadi's not a fan. No. You thought it was okay? I like it. I'm a fan of the peanut butter one a little bit more. That's uh, mm. it's a more of a refined taste. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's all right. Cool. So so that being said, I'm back from <laughs> Brazil, back from the land down under. It's actually a very far place. The I keep thinking. Oh, no, no. That's, no, that's <laughs> it's still under down. here. Um, but it's actually really far away. It took yeah. 19 hours to get there and it took 19 hours to get back. And I lost the, the armrest battle both ways and uh-huh. on the plane. Wow, 19 hours. Um, so there's a little like two-hour gap in between where you have to lay over in Toronto. It's faster to get to Australia from Vancouver. Because it's direct, right? Yeah, there's direct yeah. flights now. So. Are you going back for Christmas? No, I'm going back uh, early in the new year. So um, just catch the summer still a little bit, which would be nice. Sweet. Actually, this is a good transition. So Alex is from Australia. He came to Canada through the Startup Visa Program. Correct. Launch Academy is the certified host for the Startup Visa Program. Uh, that being said, Alex didn't go through our program. It wasn't put in place yet. Yep. But tell us a little bit about that experience of... Um, or even like where, where in Australia are you from? So I grew up in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in Sydney for about nine years. Okay. And then I uh, actually took a year off work 
maybe seven years ago when traveling for a year mm. and realized that uh, that I wanted to get into startups. Okay. Um, and ideally, it would be great to do something overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want me to talk you through a little bit of, of the startup visa experience for sure. Um, yeah, but even what motivated you to actually just, you know, you, you, I guess, what were you working before in, in the banking industry? Or? Yeah, look, so I, I had a career uh, for an Australian, with an Australian investment bank uh, called Macquarie Bank for about nine years. Okay. Um, and really, I mean, look, it taught me a lot. It was fantastic. It was great, great sort of structure that, um, that helped me develop the skills that I've got now, um, especially around raising capital, um, dealing with investors, giving advice to people. Um, I didn't get a lot of business strategy experience. Um, and I think s- stepping into a startup, you really get, and building your own business in some shape or form, it's it's incredibly diverse. You know, you get a lot of, a lot of different um, exposure to different, skills mm-hmm. um but for the motivation for me personally uh i was really looking for professional fulfillment so i i wasn't necessarily loving what i was doing i was mm-hmm. getting paid well but i i had this battle internally which was um to become a you know t- to become more fulfilled in my work what do mm-hmm. i need to do and what i actually came to the conclusion was i need to try and attempt to build something mm-hmm. um and I, my first startup was a, uh, so we'll go back six, seven years ago. I started to create an idea from the side of my desk and it was in the aged care, so senior care um, mm-hmm. space. And this is the classic, I think, what a lot of first-time entrepreneurs experience, which is amazing idea according to me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, everybody who I mention it to thinks it's a great idea. So I, I set about... Um, and you happy for me to go into this? Is this yeah, like yeah, part, part of the, com- the conversation? This is exactly totally where cool. we want to go. go into like the transition of like how yeah, we got so, here today. So I was, I was really uh, 31, 32. I'd had the year off work. I was working with another group, um, an investment group for two years. But I was just thinking there must be a better way for aged care in Australia where mm-hmm. families can find better solutions for their grandparents or parents using a TripAdvisor type platform. So... Okay. Okay, I, I had seen TripAdvisor work in other um, other mediums, obviously in hospitality being the big one, but reviews were helping people make decisions about mm-hmm. accommodation and travel. So I, I hypothesized that this would just work in a really important decision being aged care. So where do you place yeah. your, that, your family member for that final stage of life? What I didn't understand or what, what I didn't appreciate was that the purchasing decisions, so the key decisions for why a family would choose somewhere was not going to be a review engine online. It was actually going to be this, the, ne- the network of professionals that like your doctors, your nurses, yeah. your aged care specialists mm-hmm. who actually really influence the family of where they should, should place a family member. Reviews would give a nice little bit of context um and and reviews are great when you're choosing coffee they're great Mm -hmm. when you're choosing a holiday destination or the clothes to buy or furniture Mm -hmm. or a car things where the risk of getting it wrong isn't necessarily dramatic yeah Mm -hmm. um but in aged care it's a different it's a different beast so i spent a full year basically uh, 10 months um building it and i built a beautiful website that had lots of photos on it but no (laughs) customers basically um 
and I and I kept thinking that that will come, that will come, that will come, and I didn't really get the product out there. I had a business partner um, and just a small investor that helped us with with a lot of our graphic um, uh, graphic design and, and website development. But it reached a point where uh, I had to make a decision. You know, like I can't keep working for nothing for a year. Mm-hmm. So. During that year, I met uh, I met the Bixby brothers actually, Jonathan and Joshua Bixby, um, who have have a foundry, Stanley Park Ventures. Some of you might know them. Mm. Uh, they have a group here. At, they were based here in Launch Academy. I don't believe uh, they're based here at the moment. But yeah, and just to divert for a quick second, could you quickly yeah. explain, I guess, for our audience what a what a foundry is? Yeah, so Stanley Park Ventures is a um, created a foundry, and a foundry I think is a fantastic place for somebody who maybe has a lot of skills in one particular area and it might be running hard at building um, you know, uh, a product line within another company. But if you don't want to do an MBA and you want to actually get your hands dirty, own some of the equity, get a small salary, but get some really, really solid mentorship around you to actually um, accelerate, you know, do the jobs of six people at once with one person and, and fail really fast and learn new skills. A foundry is a really good... Um, a really good setup, a really good model for you to get involved with. And so that's the decision I made. There weren't any in Australia at the time. That how, did I you, how did you even find them? Or? So I got introduced to the to Jonathan actually okay. through um, a mutual friend from Australia. And John and I met actually a year before I moved to Canada and we met down in San Francisco. And John and I just developed, uh, I stayed in touch with John. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, I wanted to get over to North America in some mm-hmm. shape or form. And John, John uh, sent me an email, I think it was October 2014, and just said the, the email was titled, what are you going to do differently in 2015? And um, he'd written an article about, you know, basically um, not getting bogged down in the same thing. If it's not working, it's not working. Go about making a change. Uh, and so that's really how that, that started. John sowed the seed and I came over for a visit in the January and then I moved back here in the March 2015 to start Lenpool. It's wow. amazing. So when you went through the startup visa program, were you already ready to found, found Lenpool? Yeah, so we, so we had sat down and we'd worked out a few different businesses. We'd, we'd mm-hmm. talked about a few different models and, and projects that might interest us. Given my background in finance um, and knowledge of, say, banking um, and essentially how consumers behave to some extent in finance, we we decided that it would be good to have a crack at building a lending business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from Australia, we started to, to do all of the due diligence, customer cool. discovery, yep. started to do a lot of the, the building block work. Yeah. So um, I, th- I think it's important to highlight, like, um, I'm, I'm presuming a little bit, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, as part of the startup visa program that we, we talk about, you know, kind of often on the show even, um, one of the most important aspects of it is getting that that letter of support from from yeah. what Canada calls a designated entity. So That's for right. you, um, it was was it through Oak Mason? That's right. Yeah. So Oak Mason is is an, an angel investor. Um, so essentially, what they were doing is Oak Mason was investing in Alex. Um, but but I think to highlight, um, you know, your kind of whole journey is is a lot of people are looking for that that kind of route that you took, right? But it really was a mixture of, you know, you met John through through a mutual acquaintance and then you... you yeah, know, that, that, that's definitely yeah. right. And I think um, however you get there, it's it's really... You do need to do your research. You do need to understand exactly. what 
what motivates you and why would you want to come to move to another mm -hmm. country to build something? Um, for me, what was really the strong motivator was actually uh, I realized I didn't have a set of skills mm -hmm. that as I got to know John, they had a, an immense, immensely deep set of startup skills that I didn't yeah. have, which was the key driver. If that had been in Australia, that would have been fantastic. The reality mm -hmm. is there weren't the depth of businesses and people with the type of experience that mm -hmm. I wanted to develop um, for myself. Uh, and so I was prepared to take that risk of like, okay, well, here's an opportunity to come overseas and build a business. Yep. And um, we we managed to hit the ground running and yep. and that's where things started. Did you guys ever consider Toronto <coughs> over Vancouver? No, no I didn't actually. Um, okay. It was more, look, again, it was it, it, the opportunity was here in Vancouver and mm -hmm. um, it's such a pretty spot. It's yeah. such an amazing place. And I actually- I know that in FinTech, there's that whole like, Toronto really carries the weight in terms of like fintech in Canada. Yep. Um, and that's not, that's something we did want to talk to you about of like what the fintech landscape looks like <coughs> in Vancouver. Because I personally, I don't have a really good insight on it. And how many fintech companies have we had through the space? Like not that oh, many. Half dozen. Yeah. It, it, it's it's really interesting. It, it, Vancouver is a hotbed of fintech startups. There, there's a lot of financial technology that's been built in Vancouver. Likes of Mogo, Progressa, Coho. Mm -hmm. So Dan started with uh, with Stanley Park Ventures as well. Um, there, uh, th there's Fin AI. Um, there's a number of different groups that that started here. I know Kevin Sandu with Grow. So that yep. was Groupland. Um, and I think the the beautiful thing about Vancouver versus Toronto is you can really put your head down here and build a company. Okay. Um, and you're not getting caught up in a lot of the distractions mm -hmm. of um, come to an event, come and talk at this, be seen at this, be seen at that. You can actually really just get on and focus and put your head down and start working really, really hard with a lot of, sometimes when you're in a heavily competitive environment, mm -hmm. I mean, Toronto is probably, I'd say, really, really competitive. A lot of people want capital. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of yeah. competition for early stage business. Uh, I think there's a ton of opportunity in Vancouver okay. for people if you want to come and just put your head down, get going and just start proving with results. So a bit mm -hmm. less distracting. Yeah, I think oh, for sure. Th th there's one other <laughs> yeah. factor too is like, you know, look, in fintech, some of the biggest lending companies in the world have come out of San Francisco. Um, and and uh, it's worth just, you know, that's two and a half hours away. Yeah, so the proximity itself is. That's really right. Important. And so getting that sort of exposure and easy, mm -hmm. you know, easy access to mentorship out of the, e uh, out of the West Coast um, was, was excellent for me at the start. Did you end up going down to the valley quite a bit, or I, I did in the early days. I spent a bit of time getting mm -hmm. to know a lot of the a lot of the existing lenders that were in the space and how they'd built their businesses. Um, but then it just came back to mm -hmm. well, how do you build it? How do you build a company here? Mm -hmm. Was it was there a culture shock for you to move? Well, I, th I think there's a couple of different differences. One, you built the company here, right? So, yep. so it is a career change, whether we labeled it or not. But also, you're you're literally going to the other side of the world, right? So what what kind of experience, both I guess personal and business, did did was like sh was like learning experience for you? Uh, the pressure was just right for my personality um, mm. to perform. So I had funding, limited funding, and very clear KPIs, milestones mm. to go after, and I think being away from this is one of the key things i think moving out of um, any structured work environment into a highly risky startup and it's not to not to beat around the bush like building a startup is so hard 
Like, I don't think that people really understand how challenging it is when you know you're earning two or three thousand dollars a month if you can if you've got any money to pay yourself, and you it's all on you, you know, and you've got your team, you've got a team around you, but you really, really have to hustle to make things happen. That shift from where you've got the regular paycheck rolling in, it's a totally different feeling Mm -hmm. psychologically um, that you won't ever experience unless you're fully in it. Yeah. Um, We often have this joke. It's like, you can't be in Los Angeles if you're in Vancouver, you have to go there Mm -hmm. with startups. If you want to be in, if you want to build something, you've got to go all in. Um, and really lean in and give it everything mm-hmm. to really, really make it work. Um, yeah. So to come back to your question, yeah. moving abroad, it, I, I was in the, the perfect kind of pressure zone mm. to make it successful. I really, really wanted it to succeed. Yep. I didn't want to have to turn around and go home. Yep. I didn't have the distractions of people asking me like, and why? You didn't know why? as many people here, right? Like totally. That was part of it, right? Totally. And I had to build a network very, very quickly, but I also didn't have to justify anything to anyone. There weren't the the same um, societal mm-hmm. pressures mm-hmm. from back home of mm-hmm. family and friends saying like, why are you why are you doing that? You know, yeah. you've done this in you've done this in your career. You've been building up. Um, why change it? And I think you have to get the right people around you for that type of yeah. fundamental change. It's a structural change. Like I don't know, yeah. in your in your early thirties, making a shift like that. Yeah. For some people, it's quite challenging. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Getting out of that zone, getting out of my home city into a totally different environment, I could just run um, mm-hmm. and build. Yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah, for sure. Because like really cool. not not a lot of people know this, but when when Launch Academy started getting uh, more involved with with the startup visa program alex was actually one of the people that i went to and said okay what was your experience like and i, I remember i sent him an email of like 80 questions and he was like okay let's just do a phone call yeah <laughs> um, um and and it was really about like okay what were the actual pain points of, mm-hmm. of the move because i feel like on paper when we look at a website at something as complex as immigration they try and make it seem like oh yeah you just do this you do that you just need an idea and then yeah. you yeah. go and do it right but the reality of it is is there's so many different factors. Some are related to your business and some are yeah. not at all, right? Like I know a lot of people, not for you, but a lot of people, the, the language barriers is a big one for them, both mentally and, and skill-wise, right? Um, and that's how we actually ended up building the Maple program is is based on, on you know, stuff that you went through, both good and bad, and you, you reemphasized, like you had to rebuild a network really fast. It's like, well, hey, we have a pretty big network here at Launch Academy. Yeah can we help companies that are coming over here to, to, to provide that for them instantly, right? Like if they're in fintech, connecting them with people yeah. like you, right? I think th- there is a correlation there, I think, with um, if you've got the hustle and you've got the ability to fail and be okay with really failing, how bad can it fail? And I think when you're close to failure, it teaches you a lot about mm-hmm. being resilient, um, being tenacious, mm-hmm. um, I had had a number of incidents in life before I chose to do this where I'd come mm. close to, um, you know, things that were very challenging for me personally that, that had, had, had been out of my control. So I definitely felt like, okay, I can have a go at this. Like, what's mm. the worst thing that happens? I probably pack my bags, go to the airport and fly home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I, was uh, I, think one of the, I think the third or fourth recipient of the startup visa in Canada mm. of, yeah. of their program. That's pretty I, cool. And I landed here in Vancouver and the customs officers didn't know what the program yep. was. <laughs> so I had the, I, they were like, you were meant to apply for this outside of the country. And uh, I was like, well, no, I've just 
flown in from Australia, 15 hours. Uh, they told me to told me to apply here at uh, well, here's the application form. And so they just literally said, look, take a seat. And then they got onto Google and they researched the startup visa program, and they called Ottawa. And it was just like it was it was uh, a Tuesday afternoon at, t- at ten to five, and the right person answered the phone and said, "Oh yes, let him in." As um, if that's what it was like for you. That that's what it's that's what it's like, and that's what like the picture that I'm trying to paint, right? Because you, I think you actually got lucky because you landed in Vancouver at a time when Ottawa was still open. That's right. Right. If if you had a night flight and it was like nine p.m. in Ottawa, you would have been sitting in the airport or going back home, right? That's right. So, so <laughs> look, we, um, my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, and I booked, uh, we, we rented an Airbnb in the West End for four weeks, like while we just sat down and said, okay, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. And I just came down to the Launch Academy every day. And by the way, for those who haven't been to Launch Academy, um, and those that have, um, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful sort of ecosystem melting pot for new beginners, for people who are trying to get started. And for me, it was just, it was like an immediate family that embraced me and really just helped set me up for success early. So introductions, mm-hmm. um, getting to, uh, to speak at events and, uh, and Ray who, who, who runs it, um, was, was really took me under his wing and, and introduced me to a lot of people. So I think that's one of the great things I think that you guys would offer in your program is just that immediate network and access mm-hmm. to people, which, which I really benefited from for sure. Cool. Yeah. That's for what sure. we're trying to do. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the name of the game. Um, and that's but, genuine, but, um, but tell me a little bit about Lenfo and it's, it's, a uh, yeah. it's a little bit disgraceful we haven't gotten to it yet that's but all right yeah. tell me how but, we're going um, on time. We still got time what to what is it and and you know what did it start out to be and is yeah. that what it ended up being or did you guys pivot at any point and or? how does it tie in now to people's trust yeah great questions mm-hmm. we we just saw a big opportunity in the unsecured credit space so there's over a million canadians who borrow money on credit cards so they're paying 22 23 percent Mm-hmm. Um, they're twenty thousand dollar credit card balances that, that people have it's racked 29% up. Twenty nine percent sometimes. For, yeah, right, oh, wow. yeah. right. So, um, what disruption has done in a lot of markets? Like you know, we've seen it Airbnb, Uber, everybody talks to, but it really has disintermediated the traditional ways of people getting products, mm-hmm. um, and especially with finance, um, this this notion of having to go into a branch. Um, to go and get help sorting out simple things like finances mm-hmm. really was revolutionizing sort of 2010, especially after the financial crisis. A number of con- countries had really adopted fintech. So they were basically taking out the middleman in a lot mm-hmm. of instances or redefining who the middleman was in financial transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we took the opportunity to, um, to go after the Canadian unsecured credit market. There, yep. w- there weren't really anybody, th- there weren't so too many So people were doing balance transfers and stuff Correct. like that. Okay. Yeah. So we we went for, um, we, we, we sat back early and we said, okay, what does the market look like? Who's in the market? Is there an opportunity? Mm-hmm. Um, every startup that I've been involved with that works really maps out their demand early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- one of the biggest issues I think with any any startup is mm. you don't do enough customer discovery to understand yep. what the demand's like. So we we assessed the demand. We thought there was a big opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a lot of testing and we went after it. Um, and uh, and as a, as a result, we we grew. Mm-hmm. Uh, we developed some big partnerships. We signed up a large demand demand partnership mm-hmm. with a mortgage broker in Canada. 
Okay. Uh, we got a debt facility from one of the Canadian banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we basically brought the two together and started um, originating. And so how, how did you actually get the word out? We did a lot of customer discovery. I spoke to 182 um, other people who were in roles mm. of VP marketing, VP yep. sales early on with the business. And I worked out how do people acquire customers in lending companies. And um, essentially, there's a direct-to-consumer model, which you, mm. you, know, you run things online, yep. Facebook ads, direct mail or partnerships. Uh, and we basically said, well, the cheapest cu- the the cheapest channel to acquire customers through is the uh, is the um, is the partnership model, mm-hmm. and we started actually targeting um, partners, gotcha. people who would send us really good quality customers. Gotcha. That and then that way, the the trust is very much built there, right? Yeah, I think, uh, and it also gives you a much stickier you, you can build like a very defensible business model by going yeah. after part like a, the partnership yeah, model that makes a lot of sense. and you can just learn a lot about your partners your partners yeah. can develop trust for, with, with yeah, you yeah. and you don't have to spend a ton of money bringing the yeah. wrong types of people into the top of the funnel yeah so to fast forward i mean we we uh we sold the business this year to people's trust people's trust is a um uh, uh essentially a pension fund but it's a it's a um it's a Vancouver-based uh, financial institution and they have a number of different lending verticals. So they do mortgages, they do leasing, they do cards and they didn't have an unsecured uh, lender in their mix. And so um, we started discussions with them late last year and yeah, we, we, we did the transaction in June and um, you know, I'm still running the business and a lot of our team are based out east as well. And you know, it, it is a really... It, if I can say it myself, it is a startup visa success story. So it's been yeah, great, sure. you know, awesome. building it from from an idea on a piece of paper, um, doing all of the validation, the building, the scaling, the capital raising, um, and then the acquisition. And you know, we we're all very happy. Mm-hmm. So it's great. And they're uh, they've been around for a while, like thirty, 30 years. Yeah, I yeah. was looking at their site. I was like, thirty years. That's a pretty amazing um, company to get acquired by. And yeah, really th- sets you guys up for a long term success. Big time, and they've, they've got twelve billion of assets under management. It's, it's Canadian owned, um, and uh, yeah, there's a huge opportunity in there for us. So it's 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 really cool. cool. And then you guys got to keep all your branding and your company yeah. so intact. That's right. So we're, we're a sub-entity um, so that they own Lenful. But Lenful has a very strong brand positioning in the market. Um, our customers know who we are. Mm-hmm. The types of customers we go after know who we are and what we represent, personal loans. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's it. Cool. Yeah. And like I can't, I can't reemphasize how important that, that trust is. So the so tangent point, I spent two months once working uh, at a bank I won't name as as a what do they call it inbound customer service yep. agent uh what what their real job is is i have targets to to resell people who call in and say like i just want to move 50 bucks to to my son or something yeah and then it's my role to to upsell them on something yep. right and a lot of times like the the rates are absolutely terrible and you can see like you know if this person already has three thousand dollars in credit card debt or, or whatever it is um, like they're going to make this move and it's going to alleviate them for the next four months. And then the four months after that, they are completely screwed, yep. but mm-hmm. they do it. And, and the math shows that, you know, enough people do it that the banks can keep pushing it because 
um, because they don't they don't know any better, right? Like, well, it's like, oh, this bank's telling me to do it. I've banked with this guy my whole life. Why would they deal me wrong right now, right? And so that that's I think that that's really interesting. Well, that's, that's where fintech really yeah. works. I think there is a um, there's definitely a trust element, and yeah. many people believe in fintechs um, that they're moving the needle, that they're changing the game, they're changing the way that people mm-hmm. use financial institutions, and you know we've demonstrated that we were able to do it, and that. Um, people believe in our product and hence we've been in business for four years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really, really exciting to be able to, to build something like that. You for can't sure. just, you can't just do flash fast. You got to, you got to stand in the market and really try to build a sustainable business model that really understands its customers and delivers value. So in terms of for the consumers, let's drop some knowledge bombs in terms of people dealing with loans or maybe they have repayments. It's like a, what's one, the one piece of advice you would give to, to those kind of folks. Yeah, it's a great question. I think, I think, really high level with credit, um, it doesn't just happen. Um, you know, loan loan balances and, and and so on don't just appear from nowhere. It does. It, it is heavily driven by consumerism and um, and people's desire to have things now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what we often see is you know we re, we refi- people have have built up credit card debt which they don't have anything to you know maybe show for and they refinance to us and and it's because they want to get their credit in they want to get their lives in check they want to mm-hmm. pay off their credit uh the difference with us by the way is credit cards are just interest only whereas we our loans are principal and interest so you have to pay off the principal as well as the interest okay. so they they generally help people get their con- their credit under control um so i think i think for any you know like 18 year olds or people who are stepping into the world of employment and you you do get a credit card i think it's really good to develop a good set of rules and a good set of habits around how you spend money um you know we we put so much effort into our work and what we do with our time and to generate income Mm -hmm. and it's really really good to put as much thought into that as to how you what you do with it when you get it yeah Uh, it's not me telling people to not not spend more than what they have as well but um, I think there are some really good opportunities to to think about how people spend money and how they build up credit, uh, how they build up debt. Um, but the the cool thing is, there are ways to get out of debt uh, if people are in debt, and there's ways to you know there's no better time to take action than today. Um, it's it's worth thinking about. It's worth getting help and speaking to a financial advisor or to a mortgage broker and saying, okay. This is my current situation. What would you propose? And and get a get a team around you. Get a coach. Get somebody to help mm-hmm. you that can get on top of your debts. And there's plenty of ways to do it. And uh, there's a lot of similar people in the same position. If if you do find mm-hmm. yourself in debt, I think it's one of those things people feel very ashamed about, yeah. or they they feel like it's a really tricky conversation to have a conversation about. Um, one of the key things is don't worry alone. You know, mm-hmm. spread spread that. Um, that worry with somebody who can actually help you develop a plan like a personal trainer mm-hmm. to, to get on top of it so that would be what i would share yeah. that's some really good advice the whole not worrying alone because <laughs> worrying alone it just escalates and nothing for gets sure done. <laughs> yeah you can really run into brick walls and i think mm-hmm. uh how do you get around that somebody mm-hmm. will have experienced what you have mm-hmm. before whatever that is and that's the same to the entrepreneurs out there yeah. or people who are in the hustle um, and really worried about that round not closing or the next thing, you know, th- th- somebody's left their team. These things always work out. It's really just a matter of who you consult with and yeah. wh- how fast do you move on it. And um, 
that's something I think I've, I've experienced in the few years that I've been around at Launch Academy with entrepreneurs. It seems like it's a very lonely process. And my entire goal as coming on as a community manager was to kind of like at least take that away from the process and make it feel like it's that you're part of a family. Like you said, when you walk in and you feel like you belong here and you're not alone and there's a lot of people going through the same challenges as you, you just have to find them and connect yeah. and talk. And we try to do that as much as possible through like peer-to-peer -peer workshops and just social events and networking events and just getting people in the same room talking about their challenges and at least getting that like social support. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It is, yeah. it is, there's a vulnerability that's required to overcome exactly. things. And, it, and, it, and mm -hmm. I think, um, especially with, if you go back to debt, all the way down to yep. debt, and also in, in, in working in the startup world, there's a lot of correlation there with actually putting your hand up and saying, I need help. Mm -hmm. um, how do I get on top of things? And that's really the great thing with Lendful. Lendful's name is based on mindful lending. So mm -hmm. taking on the base, uh, taking on the, mm -hmm. being thoughtful, like what am I doing? How do I get how do I get to where I want to go? Yeah, awesome. yeah, for sure. And one of the one of the questions I always ask every member that comes in is is uh, what is your runway? And it, it it always throws them a little bit off guard because you know they've met me for fifteen minutes on a phone call and now I'm asking about like how much money weeks. they have, right? <laughs> but but I think it's really important not just for me to know, but but more so for for them to know. And I think um, a lot of entrepreneurs and this is a knock is is there's there's a mix between you have to dream big but you also have to be realistic within your means, right? 100%. So so a lot of times when we're too busy dreaming and, and, and you're like, but my runway is two weeks, but don't worry, we're going to make it big in this two weeks. Like that that's an issue, right? When you know, okay, I have five months to realistically give it a go at this or in your case yeah. it was like one year or something like that, right? That way it kind of puts it in a box a little bit where, where you know, you have to re mm -hmm. you have to do something different. You're not just going insane, doing the same thing, trying yeah. to make it work, right? <laughs> There's one way to, like every startup, it's like, how do you make revenue? How do you make money? Like doing things for free is like, okay, that can be, it can be nice depending on what type of business it is. But really there should be a value to what, you, what you're offering and what you bring to the market. And it's really like a lot of the funding issues can start to go away mm -hmm. or improve based on how much revenue you have. Mm -hmm. So really thinking about if you're sitting there thinking, how do I monetize what I'm doing? Find out. Like, okay. Like it's it's one of those things yeah. where you've got to yeah, you've yeah. got to you you do have to get into revenue and you've really got to put that at the front of your mind. It it does help a lot of your problems go away. So for startups, is there a role that that potentially Lendful would would play a part in, or a different a certain maybe stage that they're at where where come and talk. talk. I'm happy to connect LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever, um, and and have a conversation. I think the way that I can help is just if there's if you're trying to think about how to raise money or when you should raise money, how much mm -hmm. you should dilute, all of those types of questions. Have I got the right person on my cap table? Um, is this a strategic uh, investor that I really need to worry about taking on or do I just need money? I've had a lot of those uh, those events um, <laughs> where I've gone through all of that. And, I, and again, like don't worry alone. If there's somebody that can help you out, I can definitely help out, uh, share my experience and hopefully that, that it opens up something in your brain that you're like, okay, that's actually maybe a simple way to think about it. For sure. Cool. Yeah. So that, that kind of all just about wraps yeah. it up. I think time flew. Uh, do we have any announcements? Um, the only just announcement. Just a thousand text messages and phone, yeah, phone okay. calls coming so through. I'm just going to, I'm sorry, <laughs> very rudely texting on the show um, because, <laughs> and this is going to make me look like less of a bad person, is I was really trying to organize a surprise for Sam 
because it's Ooh. his birthday tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday, Sam. And oh, thanks. I ordered Juke fried chicken on Foodora, <laughs> except they called and I wasn't paying attention and I missed the call, so they probably left with the chicken. And then Alana... The chicken uh, is being left un- as, as it come, un-eaten. Has it arrived? And then I think they left without it. And, ah, and that was them calling. A teammate was supposed to come in with chicken with like candles on it it was supposed to be cute <laughs> anyways still pretty cute instead i looked i looked really rude on my phone <laughs> texting but happy early birthday to sam that's Thank the you. only announcement i really have oh wait no other announcement is that this is our last episode before the christmas season thanks for squeezing me in yeah you're the last one before <laughs> christmas and then we'll be back in the new year with i think our next uh who's our next guest i don't know it'll be a surprise you gotta surprise, stay tuned i can't remember <laughs> it's strategically <laughs> forgotten let's finish off our peanuts yeah so yeah. now time to eat some candy and think, enjoy uh, the holidays yeah <laughs> and so how can people reach out to you what's the best way linkedin mm-hmm. all right that's great my email is alex at lenful.ca um, awesome i'm happy to help if i can't help you hopefully i can introduce you to somebody that can perfect but uh yeah i think Canada is a fantastic place to come and build a business, especially Vancouver, especially Launch Academy. Thanks for the plug. So so with that being said, make sure you're staying tuned, subscribe so that we can find out who our next guest is. If you're not already following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, what else is there these days? I'm missing one. Things. LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, Launch Academy HQ for all of those things. In person is always nice. In well. person is always nice. <laughs> Do not pop by without giving us a heads up. <laughs> yeah. We will try our best to, to connect with you for meetings and whatnot, but it really throws us out of whack yeah. when 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 you just show up. We don't up look and like it, but we are I, busy. And 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 I give very weird faces, and, and it's mostly of confusion. It's not it's not of disgust. It's of confusion. Why are you uh, here? Yeah. yeah, so so that that is it. We do do tours also every Thursday at 4.30. Mm, open house. Open house. So you don't need an appointment. You can just come by. But do come by at 4.30, yeah. not 3.30, not 8.30. Uh, <laughs> and then keep an eye out on our the event page of our website. Lots of cool things. Lots of opportunity to come into Launch Academy and our, meet our members and meet our alumni. Um, last thing I do want to say is thank you so much for Danny from STG for stepping in as our producer today. Uh, Giselle has exams. Yeah. Like what's, what's that about so, school? Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> nice. All right. So do you have any shout outs that you want to give it to you? No, just keep going. Think about doing something big in 2019 to all the entrepreneurs yeah. out there. Think about how you're going to do, do it differently next year. If you're working on something that's not working, it's a good time over the holidays uh, just to, to say, you know what, might be time to park it and try something else. Um, but everyone who's right in that uh, the pressure point, keep riding it. Keep swimming upstream. It's fantastic. Um, you'll miss it when uh, when you get acquired. <laughs> <laughs> that that, seemed, yeah, that sure. seemed like a confession there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Alex. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. And on, on behalf of everybody at Launch Academy, I guess this is where we say a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. All right, we're signing off now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>